Welcome to the Social Witnessing Podcast, observing the world from a nice, safe distance. All right, episode 27, Social Witnessing, with our guest, finally, thankfully, Mariah. Hi, Mariah. How are you? Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank, thank you for coming again. Sorry no. about last time. Oh, that's okay. No problem. I got a little bit confused with the time zone because you're in uh, Nova Scotia and we had it on uh, Ontario and showed up an hour late, which is great for you. So thank you. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, you've um, taught Yaniv that there are more than two or three time zones in Canada. <laughs> yes, I know. It's hard to keep track sometimes of where people are. And yeah. So um, we'll get a little into uh, Stay the Blades is Home in a little bit. But why don't you start us off kind of telling us a little bit about yourself um, and what this COVID journey has been like for you for the past couple of months? Yeah, so um, I actually returned from a trip. My family and I took a six-week backpacking trip through Asia, um, and we just got back. And just at the very end of our trip there, things started to kind of turn a little bit, but there wasn't like the fear or the panic that we saw very quickly. But it was just sort of starting to happen as we were coming back on um, the 8th of March. Mm -hmm. And I am an entrepreneur, so I had taken the winter off, which was like a really big deal because I've never left my business before. And I got back and was like really gung-ho for the spring and like opening up because I I do own two retail locations. And then I have my clothing business, which is something separate. And then I also do a lot of seasonal locations. So I'm sort of like gearing up for my big my big season and my business survived without me there. And within 10 days of being home, um, the entire world basically flipped upside down and I was forced to shut my retail stores, lay off all my staff and basically went from being really excited about the future to wondering if there was even a future for my business. And, um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty scary times. Cause you know, like I have young kids too. So the school's closed and, my husband lost his job and we just really didn't know what, what the world was going to look like. Um, and it happened very, very quickly. Wow. That's really, yeah, that's really crazy. I think a lot of people like we've spoken with other people um, where at least like one partner maybe has lost their job, but for the most part, like everyone we know is office based or the same self-employed, but not um, in retail. So yeah, that sounds really, that's really tough. So how did, like, I know, um, like, how did you guys get through it? Like, I know it sounds like you're doing quite well now, but like, how did you get through that tough time? Well, I feel very fortunate, like personally, because I knew that we would be okay. Like, um, you know, we live pretty basic lives. So we, you know, we, we probably over the years could have afforded to like upgrade our home or get nicer cars, but we've kept things very, very basic. So I knew like we had some savings, you know, they always say that you should have like an emergency account in case these things happen. Well, we were really fortunate that we did. So I knew like, obviously not for like years, but I I thought for six months, our family would probably be okay. Um, 
So I wasn't so much worried about like, like myself or my kids or my husband, but I was really, really worried about my employees because they're all retail staff. So they don't, you know, have salaries really. And they were very, very worried because at that time, like they didn't have the CERB out or like, they were just like, call the EI number and you'll get, you'll get EI. And then you're hearing like people waiting five days on the phone and, they were very, very anxious and very upset about how they were going to make things, their ends meet, like pay, make their car payments mm-hmm. or their mortgage. And I'm a really small business and like my staff are my family. And so that was actually what was causing the most anxiety and worry for me was making sure that like all 15 employees were going to be okay. And I was, you know, willing to give them as much money and support as they needed to get through. But like I could also only carry that for a limited number of times. So that was actually the biggest concern was the employees and making sure that everybody was going to be okay. Um, So for about, I laid everybody off except two people um, and obviously stopped my own salary right away so that I could keep them um, and was just trying to find everything and anything. We were like, we'll clean the buildings. We'll like just find any task to kind of keep them working. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where we were. Um, and my husband and I both like pitched in to homeschool the kids and uh, just, you know, we're trying to to make make things work as best we can. And it's very scary because, you know, for the first two weeks, none of us had ever experienced anything like this. And so nobody knew what, what was going to happen or what the world was going to look like and for how long. And then, um, so that was from March 17th to, to April 3rd. And then with Stay the Blazes Home, which I know we're going to talk about, um, happened on, on May 3rd. And that's really when everything sort of changed for me. Yeah. Um, just, just like a side note, did you end up um, qualifying for cues and like, were you able to get the 75% wage subsidy? I would have until, um, the stay the blazes home project. Um, yeah, I would have, I would have qualified for, for everything. Um, and I would have qualified for like, uh, also like within the province, there's certain funding that's available for small business. And I would have qualified for all of that, but with, with the increase in business that I actually received, um, I don't qualify. I get the 10% wage subsidy, which is still over time actually will be a considerable amount of money, Mm -hmm. like, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Um, but, I did some calculations and I had figured like I could probably keep the two employees that I had for three months. And then after three months, if we were unable to open our business, didn't pick up, then I would have to lay them off as well. So, wow. So it's really fortunate. So how did the, um, uh, how did the stay the blazes home come about? Yeah. So on um, Friday, the, the April 3rd, the premier had like his famous press conference where he was quite angry because Nova Scotia was, Nova Scotians were being really, really terrible at the messaging of staying the home, at staying home. And um, they had used like Google tracking to see that people were going for quite far distances. I mean, that's also partly because in Nova Scotia, we travel really far to work. Mm -hmm. Like we are all kind of in rural communities. So they couldn't totally identify why people were traveling, but they could see that they were. And they also had like, we started to get better weather. And so people started to like go in droves to beaches and parks. And so they weren't complying with social distancing. And so he got really upset and he said, stay the blazes home, which is um, something 
I mean, it's not really like a Nova Scotian or maritime saying, but it's something that like his parents probably would have said to him. Mm -hmm. And just the way he said it sounded so maritimer that instantly, like literally instantly, um, it became a trending hashtag. And uh, I heard the press conference and I do sell shirts with the word home on them. So every time I kind of hear the word home, it kind of my ears prick up and I thought, oh, I, I kind of laughed to myself, but I thought, you know what, I think I could actually really do something with this. Um, and so within a few hours after he had the press conference, I kept thinking about it and I messaged my friends and I messaged my, I had a FaceTime chat with my mom and sister and I was like, I'm thinking about doing this shirt. Like, what do you think I should do? Cause it's very novelty and I don't really do novelty clothing. It's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, yeah, I think you should do it. And I was like, well, to be honest, I have nothing to lose. Like my business is probably going under anyway. So if this is a total flop, like what else? I can't really do anything else. It can't go any, can't get any worse than it is now. My business, I had really no sales in two weeks at all. Um, and so I had a graphic designer do like a mock-up of the logo and put it online. And within an hour, and I was going to make it a hundred percent charitable. Like I knew I couldn't make a COVID product and profit from it. Mm-hmm. So I did a hundred percent of the proceeds to give back. I mean, my business has always been built on like a give back or like impact based model. Um, so we thought, well, as long as I can cover the cost of the t-shirts, um, then we'll donate every, everything else. And so, yeah, within the first hour we'd raised $5,000 and I was, our, I was freaking out yeah. at that. I was like, Oh my gosh, like $5,000. And by the time I went to bed, that night at 11 p.m., um, we were able to donate $45,000. So we sold <laughs> thousands of T-shirts. Yeah. Was that all through, like, Instagram? How did, how did the first surge of people hear yeah, about Facebook was Facebook was the big one because on, on Facebook, people share, oh, right. like, with the click of a button. So that was a big one. I never, I never pay for advertising, ever. I never use Google ads. I never use Facebook ads because we do give back a percentage of our profits to end homelessness in Canada. So every time I pay for advertising, it cuts, cuts into the bottom line and what we can donate. So I'm pretty strict about what we spend our money on in advertising. And so I was like, well, I'll just put it on Facebook. And then within probably five minutes... Um, it had like 10,000 views. Like it went viral, really. It's, I don't, I don't, I use that term without even really knowing what it means <laughs> because I've never had a viral product or anything go, go viral. But this was probably the closest to being viral or going viral in my life because we went everywhere and anywhere so fast. And we were selling like hundreds of shirts a minute. Like our website was like, it couldn't even keep up. It was like people were just buying like crazy. Um, so much so that within 20 hours, like I had to shut the website down because I was like freaking out <laughs> about how we were even going to fulfill, fulfill it and how we were going to do it. And um, so, yeah, we shut the site down after 20 hours and then regrouped. And then 24 hours later, we relaunched again with like making because everything's made in Nova Scotia. Everything's made in my hometown. So I needed to make sure that like our suppliers could help us out. Mm. And they could, so we got all that figured out. And um, 24 hours later, we launched and raised another $50,000 $50, um, 
so we had raised like a hundred thousand dollars within within the first two days. Wow! Wow! That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. That's, yeah, that's that's such an awesome story. I I think because you see these things happen, but it's never to like people we can actually talk to to hear how it plays out. So that's really, yeah, like having to shut your website down. That's a, a good problem to have, I think, <laughs> for a moment. Yeah, it was a really good problem to have. Also, um, you know, so I had my two employees that I was like, okay, how am I even going to keep them? But I'm going to fight to get through this. And then, so that Monday, so after the first kind of wave, I hired another employee back right away full time. And then since then I've hired three more employees back. So I've got like people back working. I have more work than I can even keep up with now. Mm. And, um, you know, social distancing causes some problems because you can't have more than five people together. So I can't just keep hiring people back and having them in my building. I, I, I don't have that much space. So I could have more people working. That's how busy we are. Um, because not only did they buy like the Blazes t-shirts, like we didn't profit from them, but people bought other products as well. So from our regular line, we sold a huge amount of product. So that's actually how... I was able to hire people back, not from the shirt, not from the Blazes shirts, but from all of the other products that people are buying and how they're supporting us. Um, so because of that, like my whole business changed. We basically did online in one month what we would norm, what we have done in five years online. Wow. So the power of virility. <laughs> yeah. And like people just really got behind us and supported right. us. So, you know, they could see what we were doing and they could see the impact that we were trying to make. And because we were already a socially responsible business, it was, they knew that it was authentic. Mm -hmm. Like they knew that this was something that we would have done and we, and we meant it when we said that we would donate and that it came from the best place. And because of that, people caught on and supported us instantly so there's other companies that came up with products that after us, it sort of were like, well, we'll donate a percentage or we'll give $5 or we'll do this. And it didn't catch on for them, I think, as well, because they it wasn't in their business model already. Mm -hmm. And I think because we had always been doing a ton for our community and we've always been about giving back, um, people knew like that they wanted to support us and they have come out in huge droves to support us and to help keep business keep our business alive. And because of that, I'll, I'll, I will be forever grateful. Did you find like, I, I'm assuming it did, but did you find that it spread outside of Nova Scotia? Because I was on your website and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have heard about it before this. And then when I heard about the state of blazes home, I went and there was definitely like, you have a lot of things that appeal to people outside of Nova Scotia. Like you have your North shirts and you have all your tartan. Um, did you like from your traffic, could you tell if it had spread further? Yes. It did. Yeah. So we're now shipping like way more to the West Coast than we ever did before. We're also shipped pretty much to every state in the United States. We've shipped to like just on Friday, we shipped to yeah. Finland. I'm like, we've shipped to pretty much every country in Europe. We've um, like we're now like internationally shipping and like, you know, lots to Vancouver Island, Yukon, like we always had website traffic, but nothing 
like absolutely nothing like we're having like we had and then like since the blazer shirts like we had to stop it because I couldn't we couldn't logistically manage it anymore so we had to basically sell out of what we had and and then you know but now people are still on our website buying our other products and like that's what's going to keep people employed like that's what's going to keep the business going so I I find that absolutely like so many more people know about us so many more people are interested in our in our story um People want to work on projects together. Um, we've had a lot of outreach from other companies that want to, because we do a lot of custom work. So we've had a lot of, you know, people reaching out that want to do custom, their own custom shirts because everything that we do is local. So, um, yeah, it's overall just been an incredible experience. Um, and there's a future for the business, which really, to be honest, six weeks ago, I remember telling my husband, like, I was a teacher before this. So I remember telling my husband, like, I'm thinking like I need to, I I really need to think about maybe going and getting like a job again, like not being self-employed because my business probably isn't going to make it through. That's like, yeah, that's amazing. I can, um, Yaniv is also self-employed and I could, I could just never imagine what he would go through having to make that decision to go back to like a regular job and not just, you know, like leading, leading his own sort of path. So I'm really happy that happened. I'm glad. I'm glad that it caught on. I think, yeah, your your stuff, your your apparel, and everything is great. I hope everyone goes and checks out your website after this. It's got some really awesome stuff on it that I think appeals to West Coast people for sure. Um, yeah, like our camp stuff and our outdoorsy lines and our like we you know we have home for every province. So we. Um, yeah, like we had home, like I said, we shipped to Vancouver Island, but like we had home Vancouver Island shirts for some time, but like I probably shipped 10 in the last week. We never sold 10 since I had them. So like there's way more people um, buying from us all, all across the country and like really supporting. And I think that there is a real push with COVID-19. I mean, there was beforehand, um, but even more now about supporting local and about supporting Canadian made businesses um, so I think if we can get through this time, like if the businesses can, I think that they'll be okay. Cause there's like going to be a real push to support all the local, all the local businesses. Mm-hmm. And do you think you're, you're going to keep the retail open once restrictions have been lifted a little or what, what's your plan as far as that? You know, it's a really good question because I actually also have retail locations in New Brunswick. And New Brunswick has the least, well, aside from the territories, New Brunswick has the least amount of cases um, in the Maritimes, maybe PEI as well. But anyway, they had very few cases, I think 118 total. And they have had been COVID-free for now 19 days. Mm. So on Friday, the Premier had the press conference and actually allowed retail to be open. Mm with very strict, very strict guidelines that look very similar to grocery stores, you know, when you go in, they have like the big signs about what you can and can't do. And they've got uh, hand washing stations and, and things like that. So those kinds of protocols are going to be in place for retail. But my big fear is now is how much people are actually going mm-hmm. to shop outside of their home. Cause my online business, even for my giftware stores that I own is not what it was in person, but it's, I'm selling, I never had a, for my giftware store, I always had a website. I never sold one thing on my website, never once. Now I'm sen- sending like, uh, shipping out over uh, maybe 200 packages mm-hmm. a week. Um, 
So I'm thinking like, okay, I have this retail store that I have pay huge amounts of rent. I've got seven staff. Um, it's a big job to inventory and merchandise it. And here I am doing all, not quite as well, but I also don't have, have the overhead shipping right. online. Um, so it's a big question because even if I open my doors, are, are people really going to be wanting to come out and right. shop yet? Mm-hmm. They want to shop online and like do curbside pickup or contactless pickup or deliver to their home. That's for sure. I just don't know how much they're actually going to be out like you do when you, you know, you get your coffee from the local coffee shop and, you know, peruse the little local shops. I, I really don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, and I guess that's the big question for kind of everyone across the world right now. Was this the the kind of the death of retail, which was already very difficult for a lot in a lot of places mm-hmm. um, in Vancouver? Even before this, we've seen stores just shutter for the last couple mm-hmm. of years pretty regularly all over the place. Uh, as more and more stuff goes online. So what's your opinion? Do you think that this is going to be kind of the new normal? I don't know, because the one of the things I really agree with everything you've said in terms of retail, because more people are investing in experiences than they are in retail. So one thing, though, about like the really cute neighborhood shops is that they offer an experience. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, you do go and buy and it's retail, but like, you know, the shop owner or you love the little products that they curate or they're a local maker. And so the whole process of like visiting them is the experience. So do I think malls and massive retailers are dead? Yes, I do. And I think that's writing's been on the wall for some time. Um, and we're seeing every day, like the big, a lot of big shops filing for bank, big companies like filing for bankruptcy. Um but I still think that there's hope for the small independent shops because of the experience that visiting them gives. And like when f- people come from out of town to visit you, like you want to take them to those cute little shops. And, and um, so that's my hope. Um, but I really honestly like have no idea what it's going, going to look like because especially for Moncton, like Moncton's a corporate um, community. So it's a very successful place to have a business because everybody's uh, works in the corporate world there and they get 25,000 people a day that come into Moncton to work in offices. Well, those are all the people who are working mm-hmm. from home. Yeah. So are they going to, my business was lunchtime. They all would leave their offices at lunch and shop. So I think, and then on Saturdays, the farmer's market's right across the street. So everybody would go to the farmer's market and then come across the road. Well, the farmer's markets won't be open anytime soon. So I don't really know. Um, And if I get, if I take people back to work, they no longer on EI um, or CERB or whatever they're being offered. Um, It's a big risk to me because now I have to offer them Mm -hmm. the hours. Um, So I really don't know. I had the big conversation this morning with my husband because it's not just like, like right now I'm selling things and my overhead's quite low. It's kind of safe right now. Um, once we open, it's a whole new risk. Yeah, I do agree with you, though. Like, uh, so I, I'm not a mall shopper, but one of the reasons we, well, we used to go to, there's a place here called Granville Island, or we'd travel over to Victoria. And one of the things I love about Victoria is all the little shops and like independently mm-hmm. owned restaurants. Like, it's an amazing place. And that's all we do is just walk around, look at everything, like buy little things here and there. And it is, it's an experience. It's not the same as going to a mall. So I, I agree with you. I think that if 
if they can get it under control and like there isn't as high of a risk of catching it, I think people will go back to shopping as an experience, but I don't know. I don't know. about. Yeah. I think, I think malls were, are, they were in trouble before except at Christmas time or back to school. Like that's when they're busy, but I think they've been in trouble for some time. And, you know, nobody goes to, to the mall to like, they go to like get a, get something like it's a serving, serving a purpose. Um, but many people come in, come into my shops because I sell a lot of Canadian makers and I sell lots of fun, like fun cards and people come in that never buy a thing, but they, it just makes them happy. It's just like brings a smile to their face and, you know, they know all the staff and it's like, they feel like it's coming home to them. And, um, that's, you know, I worry about that experience being compromised because people are afraid to go out. Um, but today I was in my churro shop packing online orders and I had the lights on and I was there and several people tried to come in and oh. shop. Oh. So there's people definitely, there's kind of like two waves of people, like people that are very, very cautious and concerned because A, they're just worried about, um, you know, being exposed to the virus or they have people in their lives they're worrying about exposing like the virus to. So there's that group of people. And then there's the other people who are just ready mm-hmm. to get outside. They're ready to like shop and so you're sort of seeing those people are the ones that are definitely trying to we're definitely trying to come in the shop they're just desperate there one girl said I won't even touch anything I just want to look I just want to look around I just miss the store so much and so it will be very where interesting do you and your family fall on that spectrum once they start easing restrictions and stuff uh, apart from your business are you guys going out in the first wave are you kind of sitting back and watching what's your thought I'm this like is this comes from a very uneducated place because I, I'm not a doctor or even pretend to know what what's um, the, the the best thing we've been staying home especially with the kids like they have gone nowhere they're like ready to lose it because they're been stuck at home um, but I'm not worried personally um, I kind of think it we're exposed to things all the time um, and exposed to viruses and flus, nothing, you know, like this maybe, but I, I'm not a big worrier about, um, about it. Uh, and I don't have, I'm not immune compromised and no one in my family is. And I, and I'm not, I don't have grandparents close by or elderly that I'm interacting with. So I'm personally not that worried. I find the balancing of like the homeschooling, um, and working extremely difficult um, probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Uh, and they have announced here that we're, school's done, but as of June 5th, um, like the school year is completely done. So we have to continue to homeschool until June 5th. But then after that, the school year will be done. And then the big question will be, well, what does summer look like, like for camps and childcare and so I don't know. We're just going to see what happens. But I, again, like we've kept the kids really close to home and we haven't had any interactions with anybody. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're in the same boat. Like we're trying to figure out what to do. Like, yeah, for us, the school year is done. He's not going to go back until September if, if they open again in September. But yeah, it's the same. We're finding mm-hmm. the homeschool is a struggle. Like it's just uh, a shout out to all the teachers. Like I, I know it's different. But at the same time, like keeping them engaged and focused is just like, that's a skill. <laughs> that's really tough. Seriously. It's really tough. Um, 
Yes, it is. And, and trying to balance it, you know, like we've just never really um, experienced anything like this. So making sure we're, you know, getting them the education that they need and, and um, doing, helping support the teachers and the kids are, have found it very difficult because they really, you know, socializing is a really Mm -hmm. big part of development and it's a really big part of what they love about school and why they look forward to going to school so much. So both of my kids have had very serious heartbreaking meltdowns because they miss their friends and they miss their teachers so much. And they, without us being able to tell them like, Oh, this is, the end or you'll be able, you know, they, mm-hmm. we don't have answers for them. And even playing with the neighborhood kids, like they can't do any of that. So it's been difficult. Yeah. For them. I think like, I think as a, as an adult, I'm struggling with it, but as a kid, it's the same. We're seeing the same in our son too, where like even just today, actually we had about a two hour mood swing that was came out of nowhere and like, we can't explain it. And I, I almost feel like it was like, we, cause we haven't gone out very much, but we asked him if he wanted to go outside to the courtyard. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it just, yeah, it was just really, I, I don't know. I don't know. He wouldn't talk about it. So I think it's really hard for them to manage their feelings through this. And even for adults, it is. Um, how are like, mm-hmm. how are you and your husband coping? How are you finding it for yourselves? Well, I'm still going to work every day. Like I'm not in the, with the public, but I'm still going to work into my office every day and like packing t-shirts. So I actually feel like my life, and because I'm the one that's out, um, I'm the one that's doing the uh, every, you know, two weeks or whatever, going to the grocery store and getting the groceries. So I feel like I'm, my life is actually not super disrupted. Um, Like it's obviously, you know, it's a huge change, but I don't feel like I'm still going to work. So I don't feel like there's as much of a change for me. Um, And Mm -hmm. as it is for my kids or even my husband who lost his job. So he's really been helping out. He's been helping in the business. And then he's also home with the kids. Um, After I do the homeschooling in the morning, he is home with them all afternoon so that I can go into work. Um, So actually it's, it's, we've just made, we've been a fantastic team to kind of do what needs to be done, done during this time. Um, and like I said before, with the social distancing and like the other things with, in, with work, there can only be five of us in the building. So I'm working, you know, uh, 12, 15 hour days. So him actually being home, I hate to say it, but it's, it's been a huge help because mm-hmm. there's no childcare. So I wouldn't, I don't even know what I do if he was working. Yeah. I, my kids would be given way too many screens because now he's home. So we don't have to rely on a screen to entertain them because he's here. But if they had to come to work with me all day, every day, I wouldn't have any other, any other option. So I, I feel really lucky that he's home. Yeah. I think this has really highlighted to us, even the benefit of at least having one person in your home who's self-employed, like at any time, there's so many risks with being self-employed. But even for us at this time, Eneve has full flexibility and I don't. And like it, whenever it's on me, that's what happens. Our son gets a lot of screens because I have to work too. But with Eneve around, yeah. like, he's able to, um, you know, change his schedule to make it work. And we can kind of make it work between the two of us. So, 
yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how this highlights, like, like revisiting how you've set up your life and how, like, you know, maybe before you thought you were really prepared for all situations, but this just brings up one new situation we might encounter again and how, how we could, how can we prepare for it? Is there, is there anything yeah, that exactly. you guys will be doing to just kind of prepare um, for if there's another wave of this or they don't find a vaccine for a long time? Well, I can say one thing for business, um, for, for my business, um, I'm trying to stay lean and mean, which means like, I'm just keeping it real slim and, and my not making, like, I'm a very high growth entrepreneur. So I'm always looking for new opportunities and like expansion opportunities. And I open, you know, I'm always like opening new locations and, like that's completely stopped because I don't want to invest or take on anything else until I know mm-hmm. what the future looks like. So that's definitely like impacting me. Like I'm going to be keeping things very, very lean and not making any big high growth decisions. Um, and I don't want to like buy tons of inventory. Cause even though like I've had success in the last month, like if this goes on even longer or it happens again, like I'm not, I basically won the lottery with the State of Blazes mm-hmm. home shirts. Like, I know that that's not going to happen again. It doesn't happen in businesses very often. And I'm not, like, naive enough to think, like, oh, this, I'll get through it again. Like, if this hits again, I need to, like, basically take all the money that I've made and hold it real tight to get me through, like, this unknown period and if it yeah. hits again. Yeah, definitely, definitely makes you think differently about planning. So is there anything like um, we like to just touch on something really positive or something just positive that um, you'd like to share with other people or maybe even other entrepreneurs listening that have gone through this? Is there um, anything you kind you kind of like to share with people? Well, I would say that, um, you know, adversity makes you work hard and it makes you instead of shutting down, it's an opportunity for, to like think outside of the box or to um, pivot. And one of the best things that's come out of this is I would say my business is, my business has pivoted. Like when I talked about not the clothing, but with like the giftware, we never really invested in our online business, but now we do and we have, and so like we're shipping giftware, like customers to the States, like we shipped to Hawaii yesterday, all these new customers we never had before. And I think that one thing that COVID's done is although it's brought everybody home, it's connected people internationally because we're all going through this. And it's something that we can all empathize with each other about, sympathize with each other about. And I think it's actually connected us despite the fact that many people feel very like isolated Mm -hmm. and at home. Um, And that's been a really beautiful thing to watch, not only in my own business, but many businesses have pivoted and done amazing things in this, in my own community. Like I've just been blown away by the things that I've seen. And most of it's about shifting their business, not only to be, to like be profitable or like keep their staff employed, but to help and to like, you know, there's restaurants that are like cooking up and providing food for the frontline workers. And there's just been really amazing things that I've watched in this. And I've been really mm-hmm. blown away by it. And I'd say that COVID-19 has really 
done some hard things to businesses, but it's also forced them to think outside of the box. And I don't think that that's such a bad thing um, because we can get very stuck in the way the way that we do things. And this forced us to all change the way that we do things. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely like on some level, we're all the same. And on some level, you know, businesses can't just be for profit because we don't like they can't survive without the people. So yeah, I do. I think this has changed the perspective for a lot of people and really brought in a lot of people together, which is really awesome. Before we go, do you want to share um, kind of your online handles and the website and where people can check out some of the stuff and help support? Yeah, sure. That's awesome. Yeah, so the clothing, my home apparel, all of our handles and our websites, all myhomeapparel.com and then like my home apparel, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And then um, for my home mercantile, which is our giftware division, that's the name of our website. So it's my home mercantile and then also on Instagram and Facebook. And um, yeah, both of them are just small little businesses from Truro, Nova Scotia. But uh, yeah, just working our way through through COVID-19 and, and people are more than and, welcome sorry, to we check us out. I mentioned this earlier, but what charities ha- have you worked with for this? And also what are you still working with? Yeah, so My Home Apparel always donates 5% of our profits to end homelessness in Canada. And we do a lot of charitable work um, through our one-for-one. Like, we do hats for the homeless. And for every hat that people buy, we donate once. We've actually donated quite a few to Vancouver over the years. Um, And so that's ongoing. But for the COVID-19 Stay the Blazes Home, uh, we donated over $100,000 to uh, most of them locally, uh, to the money locally, so to our feet. Feed Nova Scotia, Shelter Nova Scotia, and then the QE2 COVID-19 fund, which is like our biggest hospital here. Um, And then we also donated to uh, one of the female shelters here in Nova Scotia. Um, And then nationally, we donated to the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness, uh, uh, Food Banks Canada, and then also a COVID Canada Helps COVID Relief Fund, which donates to hospitals all across the country. And then... um, we also, I'm, I'm sure uh, people in the West Coast have heard, but we did have a mass shooting here in um, Colchester County, which is actually where I live. So the biggest mass shooting um, in Canadian history happened mm-hmm. here two weeks ago. Um, and I'm actually from the area where it happened. I grew up right there, um, literally in this small village where it took place is where I grew up. Um, and so... And Colchester County, like that's where that's where Truro is. And so I knew a lot of the people, not close, but I knew a lot of the people that had passed away and or knew family, their family members. And so we also donated $10,000 um, to help the families during that that time as well, um, to all the different GoFundMe pages. Um, and then also additional $5,000 was like a stronger together government Red Cross fund. So we donated an additional $5,000 there as well. So between um, the COVID relief uh, stuff and like the funds that we, that we did to give back and also the, um, the mass shooting that took place, we've done about $115,000 back. Wow, that's amazing. And I love that you've kind of like spread it out so that, you know, more people can get help in, in different places. That's really amazing. Congratulations for all that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, this has been really great. Thank you for taking the time and uh, sincerest apologies for our last bungle. That was just ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's all right.
It's okay. Yeah, but yeah no thank problem. you so much. And thank you for sharing your story. And I hope anybody listening um, spreads the word and gets even more people to check out uh, your online stores. And in, in addition, just helping Canadians in the process. Awesome. Well, you guys yeah. take care. Thank you. Best of luck with okay. everything. Okay. Take Bye. Care. Okay. Take care.